0: Next on BYUSN, let's play the odds game, shall we? Which is more likely to happen first? BYU men's basketball earns a trip to the Final Four, or the Cougars make a college football playoff?
1: I'll take both. (laughs) And offensive coordinator Aaron Roderick says, the offensive line could be better than last year? Well then.
0: Stats are for losers, Jerem. Welcome to BYU Sports Nation, presented by the BYU Store, official outfitter of BYU fans everywhere. Tuesday, March 28th, I am Spencer Linton. He is a guy who actually believes in stats, and I do too. But this is Jerem Jordan.
1: Yeah, I like stats. Uh, they're super neato. Uh, on today's show, <laughs> what's more likely for BYU in the future? Getting to the college football playoff or the men's hoops final four, as Spencer mentioned. A-Rod's super high on the offensive line. Which is uh, quite the comment given how good BYU's offensive line was last year. We'll break it down. Houston Mooley joins the program to recap his pro day. Who's talking to him? What prospects are there for him as a fullback? And Brogan Evanson of gymnastics joins his head of regionals tomorrow in Los Angeles. But first, today's headlines.
0: Let's begin with BYU baseball. Back to work today against Utah Valley, a team they've had great success against. This time in Orem at UCCU Ballpark. You can listen to the game live on the BYU Radio app. First pitch set for just after 8 p.m.
1: Eastern. 14-game win streak, and if you go on I-15 at just the right angle, you can see inside the park. Mm -hmm. Softball beats Utah Tech 14-11 in a three-hour game in St. George, led by Ilana Agbayana, who went three for five, two RBIs, and pitched three and two-thirds. Next up, the Cougars head to Baton Rouge to play LSU on Thursday.
0: Hey, Agbayani, freshman shortstop, she's the real deal. Men's volleyball also playing like the real deal. Ranked number seven now after beating Pepperdine in five sets twice last weekend. Deion Taylor and the MPSF Defensive Player of the Week had 17 blocks in the two victories over Pepperdine. He was also named the off-the-block National Middle Attacker of the Week for the second time this season. He Leads the NCAA in block assists with 93. Then there's Mix Romanis, who got his first career recognition as the MPSF Offensive Player of the Week. He led BYU's offense with 34 kills against Pepperdine over the weekend. And then remember this name, Trevor Hergett has signed with BYU Volleyball. I know the Hergett name carries some significance, especially for you, Jerem.
1: Yeah, it's Todd Hergett's son, so he'll uh, go on a mission first and then we'll see him uh, hopefully before the second coming in uh, 2026. (laughs) Rudy Williams will be part of the College Skills 3-on-3 Championships that include team shootouts, a skill relay, and 3-on-3 competition tomorrow in Houston, Texas ahead of the Final Four. So, BYU did make it to the Final Four, in a way.
0: Okay. BYU Women's Golf competing in the Avenue Spring Break Classic in Hawaii this week. What is Spring Break? What does that phrase mean? We really have does not no have no idea. That thing. Didn't we get like spring day?
1: I think that happened like a week ago. It was like the 17th or something, one day. We oh, have spring day. We had no idea. Spring we what, day. We have what's called a job.
0: Uh-huh. And spring day it snowed, so <laughs> there's that. Uh, the women's Utah. team, yeah, they're in Hawaii. They're, this is the how you spend spring break. That's how you spend college spends. They completed spring round college. one of the classic yesterday. They were in seventh place after one day of competition. They return to the course today in a matchup with San Francisco and Tulane during round two.
1: And Michael Rucker struck out two in an inning of work for the Cubbies.
0: All rise and shout. It's time for What's Trending. What's training presented by Bodyguards, protection for a life worth living. Learn more at bodyguards.com. Yeah, we're playing the odds game today, and we want you to take a side here. Because, and I should note, BYU men's basketball still holds the amazing, dubious honor of being the men's basketball program with the most NCAA tournament appearances and zero Final Fours. Which is more likely to happen first, Jeremy? BYU basketball finally figures it out, or gets a desirable path, has the ball bounced their way, a la San Diego State, and they get to a Final Four, or BYU football makes a college football playoff? Whatever the playoff will look like in the future.
1: Yeah, we believe that will be twelve teams coming up. Uh, you know, in what twenty-five or twenty-six? Um, it is the college football playoff. Uh, men's basketball has had a ton of success here. One of the most uh, victorious programs in NCAA history. You mentioned the stat that we love and hate. We love it because it means BYU goes to the tourney a lot. Historically, we hate it because they haven't done a ton in said tournament uh, outside of the Sweet 16 in uh, 2011 and in Elite Eight in 1981. That was a 48-team tournament. It's a little bit different, but um, it's taken the National Player of the Year to do that in those two years in Danny Ainge and Jimmer Fredette, which is like, what? You have to have the best player in program history to do that. Um, that's really hard. I, uh, BYU didn't make the NIT this year, so certainly not feeling high on hoops. Uh, you know, making a Final Four anytime soon. Uh, we just want to make the NCAA tournament soon. But uh, I think it is football because I think football has some of those years occasionally where they get close to that. Now, in the expanded playoff, BYU will have a chance to be in that. We'll, we'll see exactly what it looks like for um, you know a team outside um, sure. the Power 5. If they're not in that top 12, do they get the automatic qualification? AK, you probably need to be in the top 10. BYU probably needs zero or one loss to be in the top 10. But a 10-2 and two situation perhaps gets you in the top as 10 as well. As a Big 12 team. As a Big 12 team. You need to probably win the Big 12 title. Maybe you lose it, but like, you can't have more than three losses on the year. So we're talking about a 10-3 and three Big 12 championship appearance probably. That's within the realm of possibility for BYU in the next decade. In 2021, BYU was ranked 14th after week 12. Had BYU had a chance in that situation to say play for a conference championship and they win, they would have been in an expanded playoff situation just two years ago, which is exciting. Um, So BYU is more prepared from a roster and talent and uh, uh, you know, coaching staff and progression standpoint, I think at this point, then basketball. We certainly think that hoops, like in 2020, men's hoops could have made a Final Four run if COVID didn't hit. There was a chance that the nation's best three-point shooting team, and a team that was playing like a top-ten team with the only childs after that nine-game suspension, certainly could have made a run. So we're not far removed from that possibility either.
0: Yeah, that was only three years ago.
1: But it feels like eight because of COVID. But the way the two programs are certainly trending, you got to feel like football is is in a place to do that more than basketball. But I would love for basketball to get to the point where we have a little more confidence. Right now, a lot of people down on men's hoops. And that is deserved because no NIT. But they're at the bottom of Mount Everest, and hopefully they can make that climb and make the tourney, and maybe you just win a couple games. I don't know why it's been so hard for BYU just to win two games, but uh, they've only done it twice.
0: Mm. Yeah, it's a sheer numbers game. I mean, if we're talking about college football, I think one more team's making the jump, and so there will be 132 Division One college football programs at the FBS level. If 12 are going to make the college football playoff, the percentages are way higher of Putting together a team that's gonna fit into that metric compared to four teams out of 351 Division I men's basketball teams.
1: But So should we say Sweet 16?
0: <laughs> should, it's been that hard for BYU, Elite Eight? It's just the next step, right? Like BYU's been to an Elite Eight, so it's like, well, the final well, four is 42 years ago.
1: It's it's the Is it the next step? Like, the next step's making the NCAA Yeah, tournament. in
0: the blue-goggled reality, the Final Four is the next step. Just like the college football Blue-goggled and
1: reality cannot go together. I'm sorry. <laughs> that phrase did not the compute.
0: Blue goggle, or the blue-goggled metaverse. <laughs> that, that
1: did not make the, sense to me.
0: Whatever. Those teams, okay, I'll Don't go inside. Oxymoron, if there yeah. ever were one. Okay. Moron. <laughs> <laughs> I will say this. I mean, yes, numbers. Just sheer yeah. numbers. It's sure. easy. It's going to be easier to make the college football playoff. But within the game of basketball, year after year, I I tried hard to think, okay, what's the case for basketball? Is there any case that basketball could be the answer? And I only settled on one thing. I did the Doctor Strange thing and I'm like, okay, let's compute all these different things. There had to be more than
1: 14 million possibilities, by the way, it should have been like 14 trillion when you brought that
0: up. There is more fluke variation in the NCAA tournament, way more basketball is different than football. than football, yeah, and that's the case for basketball. And I'm going to use San Diego State as the example. San Diego State, as a five seed this year, they draw Charleston, tough game, they beat Charleston, but then they have the benefit of taking on a Furman team that upsets Virginia and has nothing left in the tank and the Aztecs beat him with physicality and defense and they're in the Sweet 16 just like that. Congratulations, you beat a 12 and you beat a 13 well, and now you're in the on. Sweet
1: 16. We can't make fun of that too much because... I'm when, not saying
0: the BOI didn't do it against Jimmer a 14 for that, and 11. Jimmer
1: Fredette did it 14 and 11. 14 and 11. When, like, same, that was a hard road. Same deal. Yeah,
0: That's my, You're making my point for me. Yeah, like It took favorable matchups, and a high seed for BYU to do this. Now, this we is think that point. BYU could
1: have beat the 7. It okay. was St.
0: John's that year. Fluke variation, the 6 seed. The 6, St. John's. How does Alabama, a 1 seed, shoot 3 for 27 from the 3-point line, and San Diego State just so happens to be the team that they shoot 3 for 27 from the 3-point line against? This is the fluke variation. Yeah. Creighton follows that up with a 2 for17 performance from the three-point line, and San Diego State s- escapes. They sneak by shooting 37% as a team for the entire game, and you're in the final four. There's just more of that. That's the case for basketball, is can you get favorable matchups? Can you get a team to play poorly against you on the right night? and now you're a five seed, or your Florida Atlantic Jerem. They didn't have to play Purdue. They played fairly, Dickinson, beat a good Memphis team, played fairly, Dickinson, and they're in the Sweet 16, and now they're into the Final Four. So there's just more of that. That's the case for basketball, but I still think, man, the percentages favor college football, and because of the state of the program where BYU is right now, that one feels like it'll happen first.
1: Topic two, offensive coordinator Aaron Roderick has been high on the offensive line this uh, spring. He told the media the following earlier in spring ball. We are more athletic this year than we were last year. We are no longer, we are longer, mm. bigger. Mm-hmm. Uh, we've, I feel really confident that we are going to improve at O-line this year. I thought our guys played well at O-line last year. Not that they didn't. We ran the heck out of the ball. We didn't give up very many sacks. The O-line was good, but we are going to be even better this year. And I feel really confident saying that. End quote. Wow. Does the offensive line really have a chance of being better than
0: last year? How do you beat being number one in pass blocking, and protection. You literally cannot. (laughs) You can do it again. Okay. And you still had the number 12 rushing attack. That's the most underrated number about last
1: year, besides Chris Brooks being 6.3 yards per carry, by the way. Yeah,
0: let me qualify 6.3. You had the number 12 run-blocking offensive line, according to Pro Football Focus. Like, those numbers are super impressive. To
1: me, that's the greatest offensive line BYU's ever had, based on those two numbers. You're going to have three s- NFL guys eventually? So did this team
0: just super underperform based on what the offensive line was?
1: I think on third down they did. Yes. Because they, that, okay, yes. I can quantify this. That's thanks to Greg Rebell for where giving we me some access. That's where we need to go
0: is third and fourth down conversions. Okay, Greg,
1: Greg and, his, and his homies have put together the numbers, um, which I did not. So thanks to them. BYU, it's, okay, this sounds good, right? 62% overall on third and short. That is – Third and three or shorter. Okay. I think it needs to be 75 or 80% on third and short. I think it needs to be that high. So on third and one, BYU missed five times. You're going to miss sometimes, but five times feels like a lot. Third and two missed four times. Third and three, that one's tough. Seven of to 14. You need to be better there. Chris Brooks, uh, three of eight on third and, and three or fewer rushing. If BYU is in, you know, converts a few of those, ECU, Notre Dame, 10-win team, 10-win team. So – when you look at the offensive line specifically, I love that Aaron is saying this. I want to believe it. It's hard for me to believe it because BYU had Blake Freeland and Clark Barrington on that line as well. And Kingsley Suumata'ia. Kingsley's back. I'm talking guys that aren't going to be on that line, right? And Harris chance. You lose those three dudes. Uh, two of those three, and maybe Harris two, are probably, are NFL guys. It's hard to think that BYU suddenly... Uh, is better than that. Now, they certainly bring in some reinforcements. Those are the guys that are leaving, the reinforcements. So Kingsley Suamateo will be at left tackle. We don't know if Paul Miley or Connor Pay will be the center, but um, one of those guys will be the center. The other will be one of the guards. They're both
0: going to start and both have a ton of experience.
1: You bring in Ian Fitzgerald from Missouri State. You bring in Waylon Lapuahu from uh, Utah State. Braden Keim now gets his shot at, like, the 6'8 guy uh, playing right tackle. So you have a little bit of depth there. I love what he's saying. He likes what he's seeing in spring ball. And to be better than those guys, more athletic, longer, that's awesome. Paul Miley has a ton of experience. Obviously, uh, you know, helped uh, Utah into the Rose Bowl. Um, That's great because losing Blake Freeland and Clark Barrington and Harris Chance, to me, is a big deal. So I hope that Aaron's right, and I believe Aaron uh, because there's no bigger fan of Aaron Roderick than this guy on how BYU's offense has changed – since 2019. So if that's the case, and Aiden Robbins can, can do uh, even more on third and short, now we're talking about BYU, hopefully, flirting with eight-plus wins.
0: Stats can be a little bit misleading at times, which is why Aaron Roderick has been known to say on occasion, hit it. Stats are for losers. Yes. Sometimes
1: well, <laughs> then, you are boys are loser. losers. <laughs> Stats <laughs> are for losers. They validate information. Yes. It's not everything, but it's certainly something.
0: So BYU, while they did have the top-rated grade in pass blocking, does he
1: just know? not like those number twelve men? in rushing? He doesn't agree with rushing. that. I
0: guess? Well, it goes back to what he said to me in my conversation with them over the weekend, which is, yeah, we were overall pretty good, but we were terrible in the red zone. We were terrible in goal line to go situations specifically which is why BYU spent so much time working from, like, the six-yard line in during spring ball and the 13-yard line in to shore up those scenarios, and then the fourth-down scenarios. I mean, when BYU was two for 16 converting on fourth down at one point last season, we were all going, why are you continuing to go for it? Punt it. Try a field goal. Well,
1: well that wasn't go- working well either. That were not working, yeah. What do you do?
0: So th- Punt p- from the goal line now. He's thinking about those things. It's converting on third and fourth and short, and the offensive line plays a big part of that, but the yep. running game, I mean, there are a lot of moving parts there. Sure. So while these are great numbers, he's really bothered by what BYU did on third and fourth down, and, th- and that yep. obviously is where they feel like they can be better with the offensive line and then those goal line to go situations. This is
1: BYU. We're very concerned about conversion.
0: We should On be. and off the field. We should be Let's go. In, in many ways. Come on now. Our question of the day Back to the odds game. What is more likely to happen first? BYU basketball makes a Final Four run. One day. Or BYU football makes the college football playoff. You've heard the cases for both. I believe that most of you are going to go with football. I'll be interested to see if anybody it's basketball. I believe basketball. it is women's
1: soccer and women's volleyball. They've already done it. They've already done it.
0: <laughs> Chris Men's Ortega on Twitter says... Make top 12 out of 133 in college football versus top four out of over 350? Seems like there should be a pretty easy answer. So
1: should it have been uh, win a game in the NCAA tournament? Should it have been second round of the NCAA tournament? Yeah, well, here's the should other Should have th- been Sweet 16? That, what's the equivalent there? If we're,
0: we're going to play more math game, there are 68 teams that make the NCAA tournament. Yeah. So percentage-wise, that is pretty similar to the 12 out of the 133. Right, like, it might be even greater. Like, you have a greater chance to make the NCAA tournament. Right? Yeah,
1: if if you don't even make the NIT, obviously you you kind of stink, right? Yeah, um, yeah. And certainly BYU can do better in basketball. So yeah, no, get, to right. get to
0: the NCAA tournament. Twenty five percent. Twenty five percent. No, no. Sorry, twenty percent of college basketball makes the tournament. Yeah. Only ten or eleven percent makes the college football playoffs. So you can skew it however you want. I just want both. Okay. In my blue-goggled reality.
1: That, word, that doesn't exist. That's not a sentence that can I use. want both. Blue-goggled reality? <laughs> Get out of here. Uh, join us Friday. Two-hour BYU alumni mm. edition of the show. We'll have alums like John Beck, Austin Colley. Apparently Dennis Pitt is going to come on. We'll make time for him.
0: Uh, noon Eastern Friday, BYU TV and BYU Radio. BYU fullback Houston Haymooli. Coming up hey. on a nice pro day. Joins us in studio next to discuss what his favorite part of Pro Day was, and his aspirations to play football at the pro level. This is BYU Sports Nation.
2: Could use him on third. This portion of BYU Sports Nation is presented by Bodyguards, Protection for a Life Worth Living.
0: live in studio b this is byu sports nation on a tuesday great images from houston Mooley specifically at his nfl pro day and yeah it's time to welcome in the now former byu fullback to studio b and the cougar council room welcome
3: houston thanks for having me back i'm not sure if you want me back for a third time so i appreciate you having me here. hey we had you on the,
1: <laughs> the week that the final four is in houston uh, which I think is appropriate as well. By the way, thanks to your brother Hema who works here who brought, uh, you know, some nice helmet display. We got the Locke. We got the Houston. We just need Uncle Hema's uh, helmet. That's the only thing that's missing.
0: What's wild about this is your dad wore this. Mm-hmm. He wore this helmet in a game. Oh, that's game one? That's game, that's game one. Yeah. Oh, okay. It's
1: not so for display the, only. So wow. has the
3: metal bar in the middle too. You know, that's old school. He has a big old helmet in. You've, that's what they wore back in the day, man. It's crazy. It's just a sheet of plastic.
0: <laughs> Seriously. So different. I'm glad that we've made uh, the right steps. Probably ran from 171 in that thing, too. Well, that's true. A little yeah. lighter. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, to protect the players. Uh, yeah, really cool stuff. Um, going back to what we just saw uh, on your pro day, there's so many nerves that go into it and mm. so much preparation. You're all in. And then it ha- like it happens, and now you just kind of are like, okay, well, well, that's over. So how are you feeling after Pro Day, after all the preparation, and how things went overall?
3: Yeah, um, post Pro Day, of course, is just relief because you spent all these months training. You The day of, you're like a nervous wreck. Like days before, you're kind of not sleeping very well. You're trying to get yourself in the zone. So afterwards, you feel great. Um, and as for Pro Day, um, it's kind of like I let the chips fall where they may. You know, I had I worked all all I could, and then what happened happened. You know, some things I wish were better. Um, something I'm very great and surprised happened. Uh, so it's a mixed bag of feelings for pro day. But overall, I, I think it went great.
1: We felt like it went really well. So let's walk through what you really liked about it. Let's start with the bench. 31. 31 yeah. felt like a so, great number.
3: What's crazy is I was actually pissed when I got off the bench. I just watched the video again. I like get up and I'm like, crap, like. I hit 33 during training, mm. so I was actually disappointed when you see me get up. You
1: felt like you were too short. I
3: felt like I was too short. Mm. You know, I uh, also the scouts that day were really critical of everyone's form. They were docking people like crazy. So
1: Blake started, or Chris uh, started, and then Blake went, and they took two off. Exactly. So kind of set the tone of like, I kind oh, of, I got to extend. Have, that, that messed with
3: you a little that bit. That messed with me because I was like, uh. I was like, oh, am I going too short? So instead of how I usually did, I was throwing it up. You know, I was just. A full extension, everything, and I guess that pooped me out more than it should have because mm. I only hit thirty-one and only, only. only I mean, on, I was, I was sad. I, actually, <laughs> <laughs> I wanted more. I wanted more. Walk
1: <laughs> us through the um, sort of strategy there because David Nixon says, "Okay, so you get you you target a number. You go, okay, I'm going to go fifteen and then rest and then keep going for another yeah. eight and then rest or whatever." What was your
3: strategy there? So mine was, I go twenty straight. So twenty straight, one breath. Wow. So I just take a deep breath and I go. After I let go. My goal was to go five and then triple, triple, and then single out from there. Mm. Um, thing was, after I hit my breath, you know, because I was going full extension, and I changed my cadence. Um, I hit four, and I was like, I can't do I can't do five or triple, triple. I have to single out from here. So my whole cadence changed that day. But usually for bench, you have a cadence. You have a rhythm. A lot of guys like to go ten straight, triple, triple, double, double. Um, some people like to just single out. If you don't have enough strength, you just pump out as much as you can. But if you're a bigger chested guy, you have strength, and you usually have a rhythm.
1: Oh, you don't have to tell us. We know, man. <laughs> yeah,
3: you guys have rhythm for yourself. <laughs> Clearly. <laughs> Clearly, we're all in the same boat. Yeah, just three <laughs> okay. guys
0: talking about best I need here, to yeah. discuss my cadence with you exactly. after this interview. And
3: I liked your cadence from before, so I think, <laughs> I think we can
0: all work together on this one. 33 is your PR. 33 is my PR. We're mm. hoping for 34. Yeah. You put up 31. We look at that number and say, uh, that would have been one of the best overall at the NFL Combine. So while you're critical of yourself, I mean, when you step back and look at that number, are you feeling better about it now or are you still bothered?
3: For sure, I feel better about it. You know, I, you know people are like, oh, good job. You know, this is like fifth overall, yada, yada. And I was like, oh, it's great. But I could have been one or it could have been higher than that. You know, it's, you don't want to leave anything on the table. So that's kind of why I was, I was a, little, a little perturbed.
1: Okay, what else did you like about your pro day?
3: Um, one that really surprised me, actually, and I worked on a lot, was the 20-yard shuttle. Um, so, actually, before we did Pro Day, um, me and my brother Hamel came up with a list of all the fullbacks. And we took all their numbers, and, you know, we see, I kind of pinpointed each one's numbers, and my goal was to beat everyone's. During
1: the w- which one? Current fullbacks? Current fullbacks, top ten. So, kay.
3: Kyle Jusick, you know, he repped like In the NFL? Stands.
1: In the NFL. At their Pro Day? Yeah, gotcha. at their Pro Day
3: in Combine. So, Kyle wow. Jusick, I beat his. Uh, he had 26. Um, Derek Watt, he had like a 4.35 and a 20 yard shuttle, not a 4.15. Um, the 4.15 is actually pretty quick for my size. You know, I'm a bigger, bigger back, bigger fullback. Um, but that also served me. You know, I, I was actually happy with my weight because I could show coaches that even at a bigger weight, um, I was still moving and I was still quick on my feet. Um, so there's just some highlights I feel like mm. came from Pro Day. Sub 540. Mm-hmm.
0: I, I think I was the one that told you, hey, it's a 496, and you're like, oh, wait, it's a 496? Yeah,
3: I was surprised, too. <laughs> sub sub
0: is good? Did it's you good feel 40. good about the
3: 40? It's a good 40. Um, yeah, I was actually happy that I got that number, because the number 4 was 506. And mm. I looked at it, I was like, oh, no. <laughs> you know, I, was, I looked at it, was like, okay, well, I might have to take a second rep, and then just decided to go all out from the second rep and got a better time, so...
0: Does that happen often? Because I feel like at this last pro day, we, we saw like, fewer players run a better time their second go-around, but you, you did that. So is that typical, or is that atypical for, for a person to run better the second time
3: around? It's actually not very typical from what I've heard, that usually your second time is just kind of like a, ah, I'm going to try and get a better time. You know, If you have a fast time like Caleb, you, know, you don't even need to run a second one. I think should just stop at a one, because he 4-3-1. Come on now. That's wild. I said, Yeah, you should stop now. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's great. Um, so, typically, the second rep is for people you're just like, Ah, I'm going to just go and go all out. Uh, for me, I was like, I have to get my time down. So, mm-hmm. I switched a little bit of my stance and I decided to drive a little more for my 10 yard split. And so, mm-hmm. a lot of it is just mental. A lot of it's like, What can you tweak in, in this next four minutes while you're waiting? What can you change mm-hmm. and hopefully get a better time? And luckily, I did.
1: Okay, uh, who's talking to you? What's the interest level right now? Uh, because you had a really nice pro day, and hopefully you'll get an opportunity here, I would think, yeah. with uh, a few NFL teams, hopefully.
3: Well, so far, we um, not really too much interest because I'm a fullback, and I know where I lay in those things. Um, we did get an invitational for, like, a camp in San Francisco, but we'll see how that goes. Um, yeah, I'm just kind of waiting to see what coaches say, and you know, I'm very realistic about my situation. Now I'm a fullback um, and had two seasons at different schools, so mm-hmm. – You know things can change and things can happen, but I kind of just think it. You know what? I tried it. I'm gonna do it. If it doesn't work out, great. You know, life is life.
0: Have you hired an agent now, or is this a personal Mm -hmm. thing? Are you are you working with uh, an
3: organization to try and find a spot? Yep. So I actually am working with an agent, um, Summit Athletics. So they're a good, okay, good agency. I like them. Um, So yeah, that's what I'm working with.
1: Okay. Let's talk about the nuance of being a fullback. So obviously, and we're talking about you know the offensive line and third and short surely could have used you on a few of those more. I think it was 37 offensive snaps. Um, what is it that you can sort of offer to these teams in terms of, okay, last year I didn't have a ton of snaps, but are you saying like, hey, look at this Stanford film mm-hmm. where you were used more?
3: So, yeah, we are actually using both films because during the BYU season, you know, my my playing time came more at the end, you know, right at the end mm-hmm. we Stanford and SMU, um, two films where we converted a lot of our short yardage, two films where... You know, it shows that I can hold an edge, um, both as a tight end and as a fullback, and that's not film I don't have at Stanford. That's actually film I don't have anywhere. So, mm. luckily, more of an
1: H back at BYU. More of an back. Gotcha. So, luckily,
3: BYU's film actually complements what I had at Stanford, where Stanford's that's great. running back, fullback out the backfield, and then BYU I can show that I come across the line, I can run some short routes, I can even um, do a back block on the other side. So,
1: I'm crazy. thinking of a third and one where you kind of. Went left and just blew somebody up. And yeah. I think Chris Brooks got a first down. Yep. That one sticks
3: out. Yep. That, that was, was a great um, play. And it's all leverage, man. And like I said, uh, Coach Clark actually did a good job of kind of trying to help me and mold me here to learn that side because that was a whole different part of my game I've never mm. had before. Mm. I've never experienced being an H-back or tight end. So that was actually, I'm very grateful for that experience. You know, I'm very grateful to learn that here at BYU.
1: And that's unique in BYU's offense, right? The fullback is an H-back here, yeah. right? Mason Wake isn't your traditional tight end. He's the he's going to play fullback and sometimes split out, right?
3: Exactly, yeah. yeah. So BYU has a very unique system where the fullback's pretty utilized in a a lot of different ways I I didn't even think of before. And so um, being able to block as a tight end, being able to be as physical as a fullback, and being able to catch the ball, run the ball, you have to know it all. And BYU does a good job of that.
0: Houston, hey, BYU fullback is with us on BYU Sports Nation, wrapping up his pro day and the numbers there and hoping for an opportunity. How open are you to these new budding leagues like USFL and the XFL and arena football? Like, are you open to that or is it strictly NFL or, and if it doesn't happen there, I'm just going to move on with my life.
3: Um, I'm actually pretty open to, especially the new leagues of USFL, XFL. They're uh, actually pre- expanding pretty rapidly. They are gaining a lot of popularity and traction. Um, and also the contracts are pretty good for, you know, spring leagues. So I'm pretty open to those leagues as well.
1: I actually want you on the Utah Warriors rugby team. That's just me.
3: That's, a, that's just me. That's too much running for me.
1: <laughs> rugby takes a ton of running. That's
3: right. <laughs> it's a lot of running.
1: Well, congrats on the pro day <laughs> and uh, best of luck with everything. Obviously, we're uh, super interested in, in uh, hopefully a mini camp invite, if not better. Yep. So Thank let you. us know,
3: man. Of course. Appreciate y'all. Sure.
0: All All right. Houston hey, Willie with us on BYU Sports Nation. We absolutely will follow his journey and all of the Cougars' journeys as they try and take on the pro football level.
1: And this year's team going to play this week at 5 Eastern time at Lavelle Edwards Stadium in the spring scrimmage. This is going to be fun to watch. We're going to watch practice. It's going to be fun to see the uh, guys at Lavelle Edwards Stadium as the Cougars roll out new quarterback and new defense. It's going to be awesome.
0: We know of at least four NFL teams that have made it somewhat public of their interest in Jaron Hall. We'll lay out the four and decide which would be the best fit for Jaron based on that quartet after this on BYU Sports Nation.
2: I have one I'm especially a specialist. BYU Sports Nation is presented by the BYU store official outfitter of BYU fans everywhere Welcome back to BYU Sports Nation. You
1: can follow the show on social media Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, YouTube, and TikTok.
0: Here's Jaron, I am Spencer. It's time to whip it. The Cougar Whip Brown presented by Marisk, your e-commerce logistics shipping partner.
1: The San Joaquin Valley Sun reports the Big 12 has shown interest in Fresno State as an expansion candidate.
0: Would you like Fresno State in the Big 12? No. Straight up. No. I have no interest in having Fresno State join the Big 12. Steve Cleveland could represent <laughs> represent the Bulldogs. This is nothing. Well, yeah. yes, it kind of is personal against Fresno. <laughs> no, I'm, just, I'm against Fresno. I'm I only got in Fresno once. It was
1: fun. Um, Fresno State football is better than you think, by the way. Oh, They've they won 10-plus in four of the last six. I would not have guessed that. But they haven't made March Madness since 2002. Just I just one don't time. think
0: it's the answer That's for it. the Big 12. No, no, no. Like, that's but, not the California answer.
1: Right. The California answer, is, or, or the answer is Oregon, Washington, and if you can't, maybe Stanford, Cal. San Diego it, State. And if you can't, Stanford, uh, San Diego State, Gonzaga. They may do them anyway, uh, but we'll see what happens. Yeah, San Diego State and Gonzaga are like BYU. Waiting for a Power 5 invite, and they would take whoever asked first. BYU would have yeah. accepted the Pac-12 any time from the 80s to 2021 before September like it was there the Pac-12 could have asked but they didn't obviously there's some historical strife yeah. there
0: just feels like there are better options right now overall athletic programs than Fresno State sure. how desperate are they in the top is five is the big 12 Probably. to get into California
1: like will you go the G5 route or will you pluck P5s that is the question
0: yeah Let's stay with the Big 12. Their projected payout for the NCAA tournament is $32 million, those units, for this year's tournament. That's the second most of any conference. It's seven teams get in out of the ten, which was the highest percentage of any conference. How much money do you expect BUA to get from the NCAA tournament each year when they join the Big 12? So
1: we're clear, 32, it's not 32 per team. That's 32 total, right? So it's games. it would be $3.2
0: million Per team, based on the ten-team conference right yes. now.
1: So for every game you play, that's a unit that gets divided among all the teams equally. So uh, this year, sixteen games, two mil, about two mil per unit, thirty-two mil. That's how you get the number. Fourteen schools next year. Eh, you had Houston in there. You're hoping you get seven or eight again. Um, you know, it's going to go down to about two points something per school next year since you have 14 teams in the
0: league. Yeah, and I know there are some of you that are thinking, well, what if the Big 12 just gets like 10 teams in? And it's like, uh, well, eight or like nine would
1: be Teams in matters, incredible. but it's games played total. So like what Gonzaga was doing was, they, if they go to a Final Four in the championship game, they were getting six units.
0: A ton of money for the conference. Think about it. The Big 12 got 16 as a league. Now I'm learning some things about how these units work. Uh, spread base, out over base, like five years. Yes, there's, and, there's some yeah. retroactive play there, oh, yeah. right? Yeah, yeah, the money comes in for like up to five years.
1: Well, typically in contracts, that's how it works.
0: Yeah, so it's interesting. It's not all over. It it's was. not just like, yeah. hey, yeah, 3.2 million right now. Right. Like, this is, it's spread out and it, it, it comes for a number of years. Yes.
1: Yeah. All right. BY Men's Volleyball moved up spots number seven in the AVCA poll. Will they move up any higher this season?
0: It's going to be tough. I know they beat UC Irvine once this year, and they're the number six team still, I believe. it's so yes. BYU one and
1: five, Irvine one and three.
0: It's going to take some shuffling up above, meaning teams lose. Uh, maybe BYU gets that second seed in the MPSF, and they stay perfect at home, and they can, you know, upset somebody in the MPSF tournament to get to number five or number six in a poll after the fact, but. I feel like this is pretty much the top of the mountain for BYU. It's going to be tough to climb higher.
1: Nice try. It is not. Uh, UC Irvine at Hawaii next week. Uh, BYU is going to win two, two versus games? USC okay. and have a bye. Irvine's going to lose to Hawaii and then BYU will
0: be ranked six. So you think yeah. even though it's Hawaii though, so is UC Irvine going to be punished for losing two?
1: Yeah, they'll lose twice. BYU will have won twice and sit on a bye and BYU will move up
0: one. Even though they split head to head? And you and Hawaii's a better yeah, team than yes. what BYU beat at home?
1: Yes, but BYU's hotter at this point. It's, okay. To me, it's about right now, and all things won't be equal. They will have lost twice and BYU will have won uh you know several in a row. I would love it. Yeah. I would love to see BYU six, number six. Eight. They're gonna come in real hot hey, to that spot and go hot. up two six. And if Grand Canyon loses two to UCLA is on, and is on the Fritz as well, there's a chance BYU gets the top five.
2: Woo! Yeah. Wow.
1: If you can finish super hot Top at the end of the regular team? That would be something. Depends if Grand Canyon falls down here.
0: If you can be get something. past Irvine, no problem. All right, on to the NFL draft conversation. Reportedly, the Minnesota Vikings, Detroit Lions, Indianapolis Colts, I've been saying that for months, knowing about that one for a while, courtesy of John Beck, and the Seattle Seahawks yeah. are all interested in quarterback Jaron Hall. Uh, Jerem, which of these teams would you like to see Jaren Hall end up with? Uh,
1: the Seahawks. <laughs> uh, so Geno Smith's on a new three-year Shocker. deal. He's the guy. Drew Locke was just signed last week on a one-year deal, so he's expendable after this year. Uh, okay, Colts is interesting. Do they go after Lamar Jackson, who requested a trade? Mm. Um, they have the number four pick. Certainly, if I, I don't want Jaren to go to the Colts because certainly they could get a free agent or they could just pick at number four.
0: Though I like him in blue and white? Sure. Vi- Vikings,
1: Kirk Cousins, Nick Mullins, uh, you know, Kirk's not the long term answer there. Jared Goff's not the long term answer with the Lions. So he, I, I would prefer he not go to Detroit, but certainly Indianapolis feels like they're ready to win, but it feels crowded there. Seahawks after Geno feels
0: like a great spot. That would be great. So I feel like the Vikings are the best spot for me. I don't know what's going to happen behind Kirk Cousins. Like, it's a volatile If yeah,
1: Jared Sudfeld. Yeah. Whatever. So
0: if. If he could go to an established team that is a perennial playoff contender and he can learn from not Lions, the, then. a veteran, then it's the Minnesota Vikings. Then not Jets. I feel like the Vikings are the most stable of those teams right now, just from an overall program standpoint, overall franchise standpoint. Like I like the idea of Jaron being behind a veteran yeah. and Kirk Cousins sure, and learning that way. We
1: don't want the Zach Wilson situation where it's like, oh, you're with a crappy team who doesn't develop you and young coach. No, we don't want that. You
0: get thrown into the fire and typically it doesn't work out. Put him in Minnesota. The idea of Jaron Hall eventually throwing a pass to Justin Jefferson is a lot of that, fun.
1: That's great. We heard about Daniel and the Lions then that worked out. You know what we didn't hear about? All the people got eaten by the Lions. We did not hear about those guys. Andy Reid keeps the tradition alive wearing a Hawaiian shirt the annual NFL coaches group photo. Mm-hmm. How'd you rate his Hawaiian shirt? Game?
0: Top of the league. Come on!
4: Is there, is there anybody, any competition? Is
0: there anybody better than Andy Reid in his NFL circles at rocking and representing the Tommy Bahama Hawaiian shirt? I mean, he he plugged it when we interviewed him on the show, right? You know, you get to this point, you're you're glad you wake up the next day, right? I mean, that's uh, you put your Tommy Bahama on and you roll, man. So. One of my favorite quotes all time in BYU Sports Station history. Like a mix of
1: Optimus Prime and Tommy Bahama. I'm just
0: happy to wake up at this point. You put your Tommy Bahama on and you roll.
1: He's chilling. I love it. (laughs) Anti-establishment. Everyone looks this way. I dress
0: this way. He's top of the game. All right, the Netherlands beat Gibraltar 3 0 yesterday. I learned a lot about Gibraltar this morning. Mm-hmm. In a Euro qualifier recording 51 shots, <laughs> 12 on target. They held 87% of the possession. What happened to the other 13? 19 corners to yep. none for Gibraltar. What is the BYU sports equivalent of this, and why is it probably BYU's football's 59 nothing win over UCLA? Yes it is, that's <laughs> one of the great,
1: we just wanted an excuse to show highlights of that game. It's one <laughs> of the greatest games in BYU history because we don't even have footage. I don't even know what we're Versus doing didn't this
0: Versus uh, didn't gi- deliver. Versus didn't
1: deliver. Yeah, we went to go get it from Versus, they said, we don't even we have We don't it.
0: exist anymore. We don't exist. <laughs> uh,
1: Gibraltar is a tiny country, like, south in like southwest Spain that's like 30,000 people tiny. Anyway that day was so fun. It was Rick Neuheisel. It was Norm Chow as the OC. It was like hey welcome back. Bro. Oh sorry it was this bad but it was like Max Hall and Asikali and Dennis and Harvey and it was like oh man the quest for perfection's like super alive at 3 and 0 right now. It was a great day.
0: Yeah. Great day. Let me use my Bill Walton voice for this. Has there ever been a more dominant victory over the Bruins than a 59 nothing drubbing?
1: It was a drubbing, dude. It was like everything went I was trying to think of right. like,
0: what what's a more notable, just incredible program like a program like that? like that?
1: Never. That, in any sport, that's the best ever. It's amazing.
0: I mean, BYU in basketball in 1981 did it to UCLA as well.
1: Yes, but not like 23 this. is not 59 nothing in football. 59 in basketball, nothing. you'd have to win by at least 59. I mean, that's crazy. BYU men's volleyball looks to take down UCLA's rival USC coming into town Thursday and Friday, both nine Eastern, both on BYU TV.
0: When Ty Detmer beat Utah seventy to thirty-one, that was pretty good too.
1: But thirty-one points allowed?
0: <laughs> Come on! It was forty-nine to nothing at one point.
1: Now, if it was seventy to nothing. <laughs>
0: <Yeah>. <laughs> Up next, BYU gymnastics coach Brogan Evanson joins us yeah. to preview NCAA regionals. Dude, she's a mastermind of the floor routines. We're gonna dive into that next. This is BYU Sports Nation. This portion of BYU Sports Nation is presented by Maersk
2: your e-commerce logistics shipping partner.
0: It's go time for BYU Gymnastics as they get set for NCAA regionals. Welcome back to BYU Sports Nation. I'm Spencer Linton, to my left sits Jerem Jordan and just across the way, is one of the fabulous assistant coaches, and she's an incredible choreographer of those unforgettable floor routines that you have come to love. Shannon Evans with her Super Mario routine, Rebecca Bean Ripley with her Barbie Girl routine. It's Brogan Evanson, the mastermind behind <laughs> oh, it all. Brogan, welcome to the show.
4: Hey Excited to be here, thanks for having me.
0: Let's
1: go, we got regionals <laughs> tomorrow in Poly Pavilion at UCLA. That's kind of a cool yeah. venue for uh, what will be the biggest meet of the year so far. Yeah,
4: we're really looking forward to it. We just leave this afternoon, so. Getting on the plane in a few hours.
0: Let's go. Okay, let's yeah. walk through the schedule. Okay, okay, so you get on the plane, yeah. you land. What's the routine to get right mentally and, and get set physically to, to compete in a historic venue?
4: Yeah, so it's just like we do all season long, which is kind of, we're always preparing for this moment, so it, we keep it pretty similar. So we get off the plane, get on our bus, head to our hotel, check in, relax. You know, usually about an hour at the hotel, go to dinner, spend some time as together as a team. We're usually treated really nice. Food's always waiting for us. It doesn't <laughs> take much to eat. And then we're back to the hotel and um, our sports medicine takes over and gets yeah. the girls all ready, getting treatments done, and then early to bed. So you'll so. see the
0: apparatuses for the first time tomorrow. Yeah. Okay. Yeah.
4: So we'll check in at the arena around 11 o'clock and warm-ups will start at noon. So we'll just it'll just be go time.
0: Then we're going
1: at 2. Yeah. Okay, so... In this regional, it's super interesting because you're kind of in a play-in scenario to get into the pod, right, the next day. But it's a familiar foe. Uh, It's Boise State, who you've competed against four times this year. How does that help or hurt in this situation?
4: I think it helps. I think our our team is really familiar with what Boise does. Um, I think we started the season kind of getting our feet wet, and then we've built and built and built. And so the last two interactions that we've had with Boise have been like really strong for our team to build confidence, especially at the conference championships. And Boise was right there the whole time, but we know they're athletes and we know that if we put our best foot forward, we can do great.
0: Southern Utah, I mean, from the get-go, kind of established themselves as, you know, the premier program in the Mountain Gymnastics Conference Mm -hmm. this year. But there was a lot of fluctuating between you and Boise State and Utah State. So to finish second – yeah. What does that do for your team, confidence-wise, moving forward into this unique head-to-head showdown?
4: Yeah. Uh, you know, in gymnastics, it's like at the end of the day, the score is what matters. And so SUU, kudos to them. They've had an amazing season. I'm just, you know, they're they're friends of ours, of course. We yeah. see them all the time. We know their staff. We know a lot of their athletes. So they had a great year, and congratulations, you know. Um, but in terms of our team, I feel like we were hot at, at conference. Um, we were you know coaching our athletes up to like be mentally focused do what you practice and i feel like they did that you know we still had some mistakes so sure. we know we can build better on that score but it was a high score for us for this year and the girls are pretty hungry so when i go into practice the last week and a day i'm like this these 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 girls are ready. Good. Like, the they, good. Are, they are ready. And they work yeah.
1: crazy hard. Like Everybody's working hard at BYU, but <laughs> you guys work crazy hard, um, which which yeah. we see in person. Okay, the floor choreography, as Spencer mentioned. Obviously, you are going for high scores, but there's sort of a viral nature the last couple of years to a few of these. How validating is that when like people really enjoy what you've choreographed? <laughs>
4: Well, I enjoy my job more when we're doing fun (laughs) stuff like that, right? So, I mean, I I think, like, floor in NCAA gymnastics is just an awesome opportunity. I mean, they're great athletes, and I get to see every day they have amazing personalities. And so what I have fun doing is kind of matching Mm. who they are with their music and with their style And then I think that's what's fun about it for the fan or for the crowd or even for the judge is, like, they get to see who this girl is, like, through their expression and through Mm. their performance. And then, you know, when when our our athletes get the feedback from the fans, like, we love watching this, then that just makes them better and better.
1: Is it the most creative element in NCAA sports? Because, I I mean, like, the way I dribble a ball or the (laughs) way I tackle someone, the way I hit a volleyball, I'm trying to think, like, you know, what's the, the, more creative, what's than more that? creative right. than the floor? Thank in you. Gymnastics. i go with Probably that. nothing.
4: I don't think so. I think it Did, tops it. I think that's why it gets so much attention. right? Yes. because it's enjoyable. It's so
1: unique. Um, and it's it's essentially dancing with muscular, uh, you know, amazingness, <laughs> uh, which is awesome. With, with this group and this moment tomorrow in Poly Pavilion at two. Well, you, you said, hey, we're ready for this. We're ready for this. What is it that this team is sort of uh, built towards in this moment of like the season high recently and now, OK, yeah. this is
4: our moment? Yeah. I, mean, I coach vault and floor specifically. Mm-hmm. So we're controlling our thoughts. What are we thinking about? What are we going after? And it doesn't have to be more than you do, because what you do is already great. So it's being in the moment and what you think affects Kind of how you act and how you perform and how you affect your team the sports and psychology so element of it. Yeah. yeah and so it's one routine after another one athlete at a time one skill at a time and just doing like what you already do mm. so well
1: we got to dial yeah. that down because we're always like three segments at a time we need to <laughs> trim that down to just focus this segment
0: <laughs> just this segment you yeah. mentioned you coach the vault as well mm-hmm. and for what it's worth i believe that this still holds true the vault score of 49.375 is the highest score of any of the events this year. And you did it late in the season. So yeah. your teams are showing up at the right time.
4: Yeah. I'm, I'm, our vault team has stuck more landings this season than than I can remember from even past seasons combined. Fantastic. So they have really dialed in on, like, their awareness and how – how to you know, capture the last moment, which is that stick. Awesome. Yeah.
0: All right, let's give you some BYU Sports Nation karma so you can take yeah, it good back luck to all the women, Thank and you. you can take care of business against Boise State and get into that 14 pod.
4: Appreciate it, all right. will take it. Thanks, Brogan. Thanks, you guys.
0: Okay, check
1: out BYU Baseball tonight on the BYU Radio app, 8 Eastern time as BYU takes on Utah Valley. Cougs have won 14
0: in a row, including a couple of weeks ago against the Wolverines. We've got so many options today for our rise and shout-out. Who gets it? Stick around. This is BYU Sports Nation.
2: BYU Sports Nation is presented by the BYU Store, official outfitter of BYU fans everywhere. This portion of BYU Sports Nation is presented by Mountain America, the official credit union of BYU Athletics.
1: Caleb Hayes and BYU Sports Nation are still fast and on demand. Uh, Download the free BYU TV and BYU radio apps, which you'll need tonight to listen to BYU Baseball subscribe, rate, and review the podcast as well.
0: Our producers, and in their infinite wisdom, have decided to push Top 5 Tuesday to another day this we week. We took
1: too long <laughs> in uh, the D-Block. <laughs> well, we had a great conversation with Brogan. Yes. That, we, we stayed one segment at a time. Some, that listen, segment.
0: sometimes you have to call an audible. Yes, you do. You have a play that you think is going to work, and then you, you get into the situation. You make
1: a plan, and it didn't pan out. And you make you an adjustment. to tomorrow. That's
0: right. Our question our of the fault.
3: day.
0: <laughs> 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 false start for a bit. us,
1: and the plan was to false start.
0: <laughs> what is more likely to happen first? BYU men's basketball makes a Final Four run, or BYU football makes the college football playoff? I've done. The, I've done the official numbers. Nine percent of college football teams in a twelve-team playoff. Nine percent would make. Nine, okay, nineteen okay. percent of. Division I men's basketball makes the NCAA tournament. Mm-hmm. So there is that. Mm-hmm. All right, our elite voice. So make the from, second round. From Greg Romano says, given the expanded college football playoff, I'm tempted to say it's more likely to, for BYU to make the college football playoff. Yeah, that's how I feel. However, as this year's tournament has shown, if a team can find the right pieces via the transfer portal. Then find the right pieces. A Final Four can happen quickly and surprisingly.
1: Then find the right
0: pieces. Today's Rise and Shoutout is presented by Mountain America, the official credit union of BYU Athletics.
1: Teon Taylor, yes. wasn't uh, recruited out of high school to BYU, more on his mission. National Middle Blocker of the Week, MPSF Defensive Player of the Week.
0: That dude's awesome. He's, he's a baller. And probably underappreciated. Absolutely. I feel like middle blockers in general are. Our thanks to today's guest, Houston Hamouli, another Dennis. underappreciated guy, and Brogan nice. Evanson. For Jeremiah Spencer, shout Spencer. Shoutout to Brandon Haney. Back here in the studio, Bizzle tomorrow. Go Kooks.